welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. The Apostle John writes, I saw in the right hand of Him who sat on a throne, a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Amen. Amen. Uh, Some of that wording is direct reference to our passage in Genesis. Um, As uh, as we turn back that uh, in heaven or on the earth or or under the earth, so remember that. Uh, also, as, uh, as I begin, I wanted to make reference from last Sunday and the Goddards and uh, uh, the missionary couple that is going to uh, unreached tribes in western Brazil, and they presented their ministry, and uh, the elders uh, got together, met last night after the spaghetti fundraiser briefly, and all we have heard is positive feedback uh, about their ministry and and uh, we felt they're doing it a lot better than the way we are doing it. Um, and uh, so uh, uh, for the continuation of this year, we, uh, we've decided to uh, find it in the budget to support them monthly to get them on their way. And uh, uh, we'd like to put a picture of them back on the wall on our missions board. And uh, that would be a support of 200 a month from the congregation. And then we're going to invite the, the congregation at our meeting in the fall to add them to our to our permanent budget going forward. So um, just to give you an update on them before we lose sight of them as well. Today is typically referred to as Palm Sunday. And we call it, it that in response to the scene that we saw earlier uh, in John chapter 12, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, presenting himself as their king. And uh, that happened just days before he was crucified. And the Apostle John records how a large crowd uh, was welcoming Jesus and they paved the path to his entrance with palm leaves, palm branches. Matthew, Mark, and Luke also record that event and, and state that they also, uh, people also began throwing their coats out on the road. Uh, of course, Coat Sunday doesn't have quite the ring to it, so uh, that never really, never really stuck. So we call it Palm Sunday. And having been recorded, that scene in all four Gospels, it is a significant event. As I preach through books of the Bible, uh, if if my text will allow me to, I'll, I'll often just roll with whatever passage is next. Just continue on if it, if it relates to any given holy day. Um, 
And, and preaching verse by verse uh, like that, I just kind of normally allow the, the Bible itself to choose what the topic will be each Sunday. And uh, uh, yet, our next passage in Acts chapter 5 is Ananias and Sapphira. And I just don't know how to make their horrifying deaths fit into Palm Sunday and a triumphal entry. So uh, we, we are going to go ahead and allow Ananias and Sapphira to survive for two more weeks, yeah, two more Sundays. And we'll come back to Acts chapter 5 again after uh, Resurrection Sunday. We'll keep the, the atmosphere a little brighter today, uh, the theme of Christ and His coming as and, uh, and un- a little more understanding of who he is before we celebrate his resurrection next week, because this will be our last time to gather uh, uh, for most of us. We, we'd love for everybody to come back Thursday evening, but I know some of you uh, may be our first-time visitors, and we won't see you until next Sunday, uh, so we definitely want you today to know who Jesus is. We would also invite everyone to come back Thursday evening at 7 p.m., uh, with a, where we'll have a celebration of Jesus' last supper with his disciples. And uh, as Ken kind of alluded to, that'd be a little more reflective of, a, of an evening, a reflective setting. And then Good Friday, we, we will like, well, we'll like all the apostles, we'll go into hiding for the day. Um, and uh, isn't that something? Have you ever marveled at how Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had to be the ones to come and claim Jesus' body and then lay it in the tomb? Of course, if we think about it, that crucifixion scene and being so closely related to Christ, his disciples, uh, we would probably be fearful as well. That's the same, same uh, occasion or timing when uh, you know, Peter denied him three times. But then came the third day. Then came Resurrection Sunday. Uh, so we will begin next Sunday, I believe, with a little tune from Samuel Arnold. Right, starting off with that. And uh, do, do we get trumpets? Do we find any trumpets for that? We, close enough. Trombones. So uh, that will be great. And uh, um, we encourage you to come back next Sunday. Don't miss that. And uh, uh, it will be a wonderful day. Music today, just wonderful. Just absolutely wonderful. Thank you to everyone who participated in in putting that together. The passage I've chosen today is um, a picture of what Israel was promised. I'm not saying that this is exactly what all of those people dropping down palm branches were expecting. Uh, most, Most Jews were expecting a Messiah who would be a conqueror. One who would liberate them from the oppression of the Roman authorities. Uh, But even the Old Testament revealed that the Messiah would come first as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus failed to fulfill their expectations. By the end of the Holy Week, uh, the crowds would yell, crucify him. Interestingly, Messiah as conqueror, as a conqueror of enemies, uh, that is actually what we are now expecting. And and he will appear a second time, we are told, uh, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, 2 Thessalonians 1.7, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God 
and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. It's pretty important to know what the gospel is today. Um, But before Jesus comes, before he comes, and, and for ancient Israel, for ancient, really all of us, sin has to be confronted first. When he rode in on the donkey or the foal of a donkey, sin had to be confronted first. God's temple needed to be cleansed first. Actually, that's the first place Jesus goes after he rides in to Jerusalem, goes to cleanse the temple. Um, We need complete cleansing. The temple needs complete cleansing on the inside. And for that, God's Son is going to have to die first. Therefore, Christ first came as a lamb before he returns as a lion. And then his kingdom will be established on earth. So we say in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you believe that we find these, or at least reflections of these very things, all the way back in Genesis chapter 49? If you have an opportunity, I'd invite you to turn your Bibles to Genesis 49 now. We'll be in there most of the day. This is kind of a topical message. If I were to name it today at the end of the week, um, I would just title this message, When Shiloh Comes. When Shiloh Comes. And it is, Genesis 49 is uh, a place where Jacob, one of the patriarchs, Jacob, is blessing his 12 sons. Every descendant, every Jewish descendant would be, um, every physical descendant would be, uh, have descended from these 12 tribes. And Jacob's blessing upon one son in particular, his name is Judah, that is a messianic prophecy. Messianic prophecy means uh, speaking uh, of a future event, including Christ, the Messiah. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, because he was born of a virgin, and, and he is God's son, conceived of the Holy Spirit, yet he is also a human descendant of Judah. That, that comes through both his, his mother's side uh, and his adoptive father's side. Both were descendants, Mary and Joseph were descendants of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus, therefore, is the ruler who becomes the fulfillment of this prophecy made uh, to Judah by his father, Jacob. You ready? It's a little, little difficult to understand at first, uh, but let's start just by reading it from Genesis chapter 49 and verse 8. This is Jacob speaking prophetically. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who dares rouse him up? The scepter scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He ties his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull or dark from wine, 
and his teeth white from milk. Very interesting passage. Very interesting. At an occasion just prior to his death, the patriarch Jacob gives a blessing to each one of his 12 sons. Yeah, some of them, if you read through the chapter, they don't sound a whole lot like a blessing, but the end of the chapter definitely reveals to us that they are surely blessings uh, and understood to be as such. And during the course of the, the blessings, at verse 8, Jacob turns to Judah and says this, Judah, your brothers shall praise you, your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies, your father's sons shall bow down to you. So descendants of all 12 tribes will bow down to whom will later be revealed in verses 9 and 10 as a lion. You know, we know from Revelation 5, the song, our scripture reading, uh, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And all will bow. All will bow to him. Uh, we're reminded Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, uh, where it states, being found in the appearance of a man, speaking of Jesus in the incarnation, being found in the appearance of as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name, which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father in heaven and on earth and under the earth. We see that reference again in Revelation chapter 5 with the lion of the tribe of Judah. Um, on the day that Christ appears, all of those saints, all the beloved saints redeemed by God who are already present in heaven, all in heaven, and, and all who are alive and present on earth, if Christ were returned today, that would include us, and all those under the earth, that means those who died apart from Christ and who are currently held in the place of death referred to uh, very often as Hades, all will be raised to face Jesus Christ, the Lion King of Judah. It'll be a time of separation. It'll be the sheep to the right, his right hand, and the goats to the left, we find in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, all will be compelled to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But not all, we see in verse 8, will praise him. All will confess, and those whom have believed will praise him. But the lion will have his hand on the neck of his enemies. You know, that reference to every knee shall bow to Jesus, uh, that is not universalism. That in no way suggests that, that everyone will be saved uh, uh, in the end. No, uh, no, that is false doctrine. 
That's clearly, we read, uh, I read to you 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, clearly there will be, um, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, excuse me, a judgment. The road that leads to life is narrow and few find it. The road that leads to destruction is wide and many enter through that. Um, but all, all humanity, every man and woman who has ever dwelled upon the earth will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is creator and also a savior who is promised uh, all the way back to Adam and Eve, back in Genesis 3 and verse 15. And on the day that Christ returns, all the dead are going to be raised and all will stand before Christ in judgment. There will be a judgment of mankind. Does that sound kind of scary? It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to, folks, for you. Um, Though Jesus could return at any moment, he could return at any moment. Uh, As of 10.56 this morning, he has not yet returned. And uh, so there remains hope. There remains hope. Uh, Hopefully, by God's grace, there's enough time for me to finish this sermon. All right? But nevertheless, Christ will return soon, and he will reign triumphantly over his enemies. He came the first time as a lamb. He he was to be slaughtered. Uh, He was to pay the penalty for sin. He is going to come a second time like a lion. He's He's going to ravage his enemies as a lion does pray. Have you ever seen a lion as it takes down and ravages its prey? You ever watch Mutual of Omaha uh, Wild Kingdom? Yeah. Or any of the videos out there now. It is a horrifying scene. A horrifying scene. Um, But it is an image that Scripture paints of that day. You know, whenever I watch those videos, I find myself, I am rooting. I'm always rooting for the prey. (laughs) I am. And folks, today, I'm still rooting for the prey right here and now. For for our young children, because we had a lot of them up here this morning, um, the use of a lion is a simile just so you know that. And uh, it only means that Jesus has some characteristics that can be like a lion. Uh, he's not coming back in the form of a lion. He's, he's not literally a lion, uh, but in some ways like a lion as Christ is coming back as our king to rule the earth. And we, we know what Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 12 tells us about two attributes of a king. Uh, Here they are. Proverbs says, The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like the dew on the grass. That that means, though the king is someone to be feared by the enemies, that same king, because of his power and, and his position and his authority, he can also be our very best friend. Our best friend, uh, to whomever that king will show his favor. And uh, through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, who was punished for our sins on the cross that first Good Friday, 
God has shown us all his divine favor. He reaches out to us in love, uh, offering us forgiveness through his son. And what scripture has revealed is, uh, think about this, folks. The Lord has been patient with you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The Lord has been patient. 2 Peter 3.9 What that means is, is God has left us a window of opportunity to think this through. Really, really seriously think this through. And this window of opportunity that we currently live in, is it's often referred to as the church age. Sometimes we hear it described as the, the last times, the latter times, the end times. Uh, these are the times before our Savior will return. The church age also roughly reflects, roughly represents uh, the time between Jesus first riding the donkey into Jerusalem, donkey's colt, actually a foal of a donkey, uh, into Jerusalem to prevent, present himself as the lamb, and a future occasion when he will return as a lion, after which he will tie his donkey to the vine. Hmm. Well, I wonder what that means. We'll go after that in just a minute. He's going to tie his donkey to the vine. Um, but what we do know right now is the first ride into Jerusalem was on a young foal of a donkey, also referred to as a donkey's colt. It was a young animal. And there in Jerusalem, they led Jesus to be slaughtered as they would a Passover lamb. Like those little lambs, Jesus remained submissive. He submitted himself as he died for the sins of all who would believe in him. And the Apostle Peter, who was an eyewitness to these events, we don't know exactly uh, that afternoon uh, where he was. We know that John was at the cross, at least for a time. The others, we aren't certain exactly uh, from what distance they were observing things. Of course, Peter was there early in the morning at Jesus' trial. Um, but he was, Peter was an eyewitness to these events, and he tells us writing in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, that Christ committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to God who judges righteously, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds we are healed. You know, folks, that's a reference from Isaiah. We, we all, like sheep, had gone astray. Each of us had turned uh, to our own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall in him. It's a prophet Isaiah, uh, 700 years or so, uh, prophesying about Christ. Coming first as a lamb, Jesus remained harmless. Anybody ever bottle fed a lamb? 
new baby lamb. Yeah, we, we've, we've done that. They're just completely harmless, aren't they? Can't take care of themselves, can't defend themselves, don't really bite, they just kind of nib you a little bit. Completely innocent animals, we would think. And in that sense of being harmless, being like a lamb, Jesus began, began or started out a lot like a lion's cub. A lot like a little cub. So look at verse 9 of, Jer- uh, of uh, Genesis 49. And there we read, this is ultimately uh, a reference to Jesus. It says, Judah is a lion's whelp. What's a whelp? Well, a whelp is a lion's cub, small cub, a little baby lion. And uh, what that suggests is that the lion of Judah started out as a cub. How, how so? How so? Well, we also read that from the prey, my son, you have gone up. Well, that is difficult language, isn't it? But, but Jacob is speaking to his son Judah, but we see this is ultimately pointing to the lion of Judah, Christ. And he says, you're like a whelp. You're like a baby lion from the prey, my son, you've gone up. Have you ever watched? I, I, I was trying to pin this down in the commentaries I have. Don't, don't treat this uh, with, with great extent. The, the following two verses they do. Uh, but I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, again, watching Lion uh, Wild Kingdom, Mutual of Omaha. That's, that's not a promotion, by the way. I'm not doing that but um, but no, uh, you learn about things watching the animal kingdom, and and a lioness, if you've seen, will bring a small prey, a live prey, uh, virtually uninjured prey, uh, prey back to the den, and they'll set it in front of a small cub in order to teach it how to hunt, how to, how to sharpen the instincts and how to hunt. And uh, what, what does that cub do? What well, kind of sniffs it a little bit, maybe nudges it with its muzzle a little bit and uh, give it just a few minutes like any small child, it, uh, it just kind of grows bored with it. It'll move on to something else and and uh, th- there's even an opportunity, if the mother aren't right there, that that, that cub will, will just allow that small prey to escape. It, it can run off because the little the cub doesn't do anything with it, doesn't pounce, doesn't devour. It'll even let the prey run free. And uh, Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have risen up. The lion was once a cub. You let the prey live for another day. And the same is true of a recently satisfied lion. One who has been satisfied uh, won't pounce on prey. Oh, they'll, they'll lie there in the tall grass and um, he will couch, verse 9. Uh, he'll couch, he lies down as a lion, as a lion who dares to rouse him? So, so he's at a phase of, of not being roused, but you better be careful because he's still a lion, right? He's relaxing. 
When a lion has, has eaten its fill, it will lay down and nap and relax and take his time. Uh, so the lion of Judah takes a moment to lie down and rest, signifying that other prey for the moment is safe. Nevertheless, verse 10 assures, the king's scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. You know, even though the lion is pictured at rest, he nonetheless remains king of the jungle, right? You'd better fear him because there's going to come a time when he is going to rise up. My observation is correct. Verses 9 and 10 portray the church age as Christ is resting. He remains seated at God's right hand. And at at this time, the the Lion of Judah is couched. He's seated. He's resting. Uh, So there can exist a a false sense of security with folks. Everything's fine. Peace, safety. Today's just another day uh, as this Lion of Judah has taken an opportunity to rest. Do you follow me? The Lion of Judah came as a cub first, uh, and the prey seemed, it seemed as though the prey escaped at Calvary. For how long? For how long will you escape on your own apart from Christ? Nobody knows when the lion will rise again. But we do know the next time that he rises, he will not be a cub. When the lion rises, he will be fierce. And he will have no mercy on the prey. But it hasn't happened yet. How long will the lion continue to couch? Nobody knows the day or the hour of Christ's return. Nobody knows. I am supremely confident it could be today. The only timeline that we are given is in verse 10, uh, second half of verse 10. It says, He will continue to lie down until Shiloh comes. What's, what's Shiloh? Well, Shiloh, it, it's an obscure reference uh, not obscure in this usage. There's different ideas about how Shiloh is supposed to be represented here, according to theologians. Uh, but Shiloh is a reference to the proper place of a king's dominion. It's where he belongs. It's, it's his sphere of reign. Shiloh is also a reference to a place where the king's people will, will come and offer him tribute as king and honor him and praise him. The English Standard Version alludes to that um, by stating that though he couches as a lion, the, the scepter shall not depart from Judah uh, until tribute comes to him. It's the way they phrase it. Until tribute comes to him. Uh, I'm told the most literal Hebrew translation would be until he comes to whom it all belongs. 
That's Jesus. Genesis 49 verse 10 is a direct reference to Jesus' second coming. The lion will couch until Shiloh comes. And the reference to his scepter and the ruler's staff assures that uh, this king, he wields dominion, he wields power uh, even while he is lying down. All power is still his. Uh, He simply hasn't flexed it yet to its max. And, And he won't do so until the proper time of his universal dominion comes and Jesus will rise when Shiloh comes. What else will happen when Shiloh comes? Well, verse 10 says that, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. They will then obey him, the people, before the king. And when the Lion King finally decides to rise, when he opens his mouth to roar, the the whole earth will become subject to his dominion. It's a time when the prey will not escape. It is then the promise in verse 8 will be finally realized. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Uh, Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. And having established his kingdom on earth, well, the, the king's wrath is like the roar of a lion. But his favor is like the dew on the grass. Where do you want to be? All the world's glory, power, dominion will all belong to him. The corruption of this world is going to be vanquished. And the king is going to show his favor to all who have trusted in him. This is an easy decision, folks. An easy decision. On Palm Sunday, Jesus arrived riding the foal of a donkey Chapter 1 of John says he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. They, they nailed him to a cross. But to as many as do receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Folks, that promise is extended to you today. You believe it by faith in Christ today. This is for you. This is given for you. This is God's divine favor for you to be accepted by faith. That that Jesus came once as a lamb to offer himself as a sacrifice for your sins. And you must believe that he himself bore your sins in his body on the cross. That he died, that he was buried On Sunday, the third day, which we'll celebrate Resurrection Sunday next week, on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and the Lion of Judah is seated at God's right hand. That's that's the gospel, folks.
that, that we are sinners separated from God. That to be reconciled, God sent his own son to be born of a virgin, uh, to live a sinless, perfect sinless life, and then die on the cross bearing our shame bearing all of our iniquities in his body, a literal substitution for our sins. There's no better news. That's, that's why it's called Good Friday. He died for our sins. You'll see all of these elements present when we recite the Nicene Creed uh, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And, and if you've never before believed in Christ, never trusted in Him, uh, we, are, we are God's ambassadors for Christ. That, that, that's who we are. That is our function according to the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are ambassadors for Christ. And, and Paul says, as though God were making an appeal through us to you. Actually, Paul says, we beg on behalf of Christ. We beg, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God through Christ and then Paul says, For God, who knew, uh, God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And your relationship to him, or, or perhaps lack of it, uh, it will be displayed on that day that Christ returns. When Shiloh comes. When everyone has placed their, who has placed their faith in Christ shall be admitted, enter into his kingdom of unending peace, prosperity, and love. It's going to be as it was in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve fell. Uh, everything on earth will be redeemed and restored. We sang a song earlier that had lyrics in it, the whole creation groans, waiting for the day that Christ will return. Creation is groaning. The gazelle that's being taken down by the lion, even the animal kingdom is groaning. When will this end? When Shiloh comes. Everything will be restored as God intended it to be. Uh, prior to the fall, God said, everything is good. It's all good. Well, I can't wait till that day. In fact, life under new heavens and new earth, it's going to be a superior manifestation than Eden. It's going to be a superior creation because the righteous one himself Jesus Christ, he will be in complete control and there will be unsurpassed and never-ending never prosperity on all earth as illustrated in Isaiah chapter 9. For God the Son will not only be worshipped as creator as he was before the fall, uh, he will also be worshipped as Lord and Redeemer of all creation who has taken away the sin of the world, taken it all away. Isaiah 9, 7 says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom 
to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord, says Isaiah, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Folks, Christ is coming again. This time he'll be riding a white horse. He will be triumphant over his enemies. He will be triumphant as redeemer and ruler of the world. He won't be riding a donkey's foal. I guess he's bringing it along. Uh, verse 11 says he, he ties his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and his robes in blood of grapes. His eyes are dark from wine and his teeth are white from milk. This is, this is all imagery now of when Shiloh comes. Describes the glory of dwelling with Christ. Entering his kingdom where there will exist no shortages of anything. Not even toilet paper. The kingdom of Christ on earth will be a land flowing with milk and honey and wine and fruit when Shiloh comes. The abundance will be shared. It will be enjoyed to, to the point where they'll be tying a donkey to the vine. Even a donkey to the choicest of vines, the best vines. <laughs> and this is a short explanation of the donkey and the vine uh, before we before we take the Lord's Supper. Anybody ever seen a donkey eat? Yeah. A, donkey, a donkey is like a giant goat. I mean, you give him enough time, uh, he will chew the tires off your Chevy. That, that is a fact. And uh, no farmer in his right mind would ever tie a donkey to a choice vine or any vine that he wanted to harvest uh, unless the abundance of grapes was so great that you could never harvest it all. There will be more than enough to share. Even share with a donkey. That can be great. What an offer. What an offer in his kingdom. Alan Ross, he used to be a professor at Dallas Seminary, he writes in the Bible Knowledge Commentary, quote, With the coming of Messiah, there will be paradise-like splendor. He quotes a man named Kidner saying that every line of Genesis speaks of uh, exuberant, intoxicating abundance. It is the golden age of the coming one whose universal rule was glimpsed in, in verse 10. For Judah, grapevines will be so abundant that they will be used for hitching posts. Wine will be as abundant as wash water. That's why he washes it. Uh, that's, that's the imagery given. And uh, in Judah, people's eyes will be red or bright from wine, and their teeth will be white from drinking much milk. It's prosperity. Ultimate prosperity. Uh, all reputable commentators that I, that I have cited uh, see this passage as ultimately fill, fulfilled in Jesus Christ when Shiloh comes. R.C. Sproul writes, quote, The subsequent mention of dominion over people, obedience of all the people, 
points to the final realization of this prophecy in the universal messianic reign of Christ. God's plan for humanity to rule and having dominion, writes Sproul, is concentrated in Him. Amen. Sproul cites Revelation 5, verse 5, which says, and I didn't know that song was being sang sang in that way today. Uh, he, He cites it, which says, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome. And we commemorate Christ's victory over sin in what way? In sharing of the bread and of the cup. We remember that Christ's body was beaten, he was bruised, that his blood was spilt. It was shed as he died on the cross to save us. Uh, Jesus said on the night in which he's betrayed, do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for this gift and uh, acknowledge there is a way. You've provided that way. And uh, Lord, that gospel continues to be proclaimed freely around the earth. So we pray for missionaries. Uh, Think of Crystal and Niger and, and uh, the Bjorks in Croatia and, and Kim Hibbard and all the way over in India and other missionaries, Weilers going through the U.S. And Lord, uh, would you open doors? Would you open hearts for the gospel to fall on good soil and reap a harvest before Shiloh comes? In Christ's name.